In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God, rather than this world, our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's Word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes. So keep pen and paper handy. May we pray. Father, thank you for that wonderful song that says, You are a mighty God, awesome God, worthy God. Thank you for the privilege of preaching your gospel truth one more time through live streaming in person and Spirit Center, social media, and all the other platforms. We pray that our minds not be distracted, that we would document, write, that we would pay attention. Satan doesn't mind us coming to the Lord's house if our minds are just wandering outside of your word. Father, we pray you would use me as an instrument in your hand now. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16b. Those are the two theme scriptures as we wrap up the series. It's been about an 11 message series. I, I had no idea it would be this long, but God knows what he's doing because God wants healing in our minds to the glory of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16b. Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 16b says, but we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. Beloved, I believe all of you will agree with me that we are living in troubling times. And if you do not possess the mind of Christ, you will struggle with life issues. If you don't possess the mind of Christ, you will live in uncertainty. You will have restlessness. You will live at the level of mediocrity. You will lack spiritual fulfillment and not reach your potential for Christ. It is God's will that you cultivate the mind of Christ because Satan desires to possess your mind and he will use every resource at his disposal to carry out his diabolic fiendish agenda against your thinking and against your mind. He's always trying to make an inroad into your thinking, planting thoughts that you have to literally cast out in the name of Jesus. He wants your mind. Satan is relentless and his goal is to continue to attack your mind, to attack your mind, to attack your body, your spirit, until he just wears you down and weakens you to the point that he overtakes you. 
Spiritual warfare is not a one-time battle. I'll say that again. Spiritual warfare is not a one-time battle. It is an ongoing, perpetual battle till you go to be with the Lord. You say, when does it begin in your life? Spiritual warfare commences in your life when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then the war is on, and that at that moment, all the way till you close your eyes in death. It is an ongoing, perpetual battle until God calls you to your heavenly home. The Lord directed me to preach this series on the mind of Christ here at Maranatha because so many, including believers at Maranatha, are struggling with their mental state. As a matter of fact, some are even on the brink of losing their mind by live stream and other venues and even in society. Many minds today are wasting away. A mind is a terrible thing to lose. Many minds are wasting away through drugs, wasting away through alcohol. Many minds are wasting away through idleness. Many minds are wasting away through self-isolation. People have shut themselves in, refused to just live in freedom, trust God and live to the maximum of their potential. Instead, they live in fear and they isolate themselves, which affects the mind. It has a devastating effect on the mind. Uh, Many people's minds and even saints are wasting away because of pessimism. Many minds, listen, many minds are wasting away because of negative self-talk. Just say that with me. Negative self-talk. Talking negative to yourself. Lack of motivation and being in a habitual rut. Beloved, your mind is fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator And your mind has tremendous potential, and Satan hates that. And he's going to do everything to destroy and disrupt your thinking. He wants you crazy. He wants you to be a lunatic. He wants you out of your mind. He wants you to have a dysfunctional mind. He wants you imbalanced. He wants you confused. And the Bible is a heart fixer and a mind regulator. It has the capacity and it has the power to savage your mind, to straighten out your mind, to correct your thinking and to cultivate the mind of Christ. The purpose of this series was to stimulate your mind, to stir up your mind and to minister to your mind so that God can do extraordinary things through you. Whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, or whether you're a senior citizen, as long as you have breath in your body, you have purpose. God has a plan for your life. And if you seek him, he'll reveal his plan through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. How do you cultivate the mind of Christ in these last evil days? How do you cultivate the mind of Christ in these last evil days? Number one, we cultivate the mind of Christ when we possess a high view of the supremacy of Scripture and the supremacy of the person of Christ 
in the lives of believers and the Lord's church. If you can write or text it out or whatever you can do with this word, this this is medicinal. This is healing. This is therapeutic. If you can just write a few of these down and, and just begin to go over them in your quiet time, God will begin to minister to your mind when you go home, uh, wherever that may be. We cultivate the mind of Christ when we possess a high view, say high view, high view. of the supremacy of Scripture. Say, of the supremacy of Scripture and of the person of Christ. Yeah, the supremacy of the person of Christ. Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written. Jesus always fought Satan with the word. And when, when Satan attacked your mind, this is what you fight him with. The word of the living God. This is a supernatural book. Its origin is for God, and it has immense spiritual power to combat Satan. So in Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by every word that comes from the mouth of God, which is the word of God. The word of God must be transcendent. In other words, the word of God must reign supreme. It, it must be the final authority in the lives of believers and the Lord's church. First Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, which means teaching for reproof and correction for instruction in righteousness. Verse seven, that the man of God, a woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy four, two also says, preach the word. That's what I come here to do today is preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching. For 35 years at Maranatha, I have mounted the pulpit as a young man, even to now, preaching the word of the living God. And I've only approached this pulpit, this sacred desk with one book, because only one book is the book of books. And that's the Bible. Beloved. The power is in God's word. I declare to you today that the power is in God's word, which produces spiritual life. When you get in the word, this word, it purges the sinful residue out of your life. When you get into the word of God, it equips us. When you get into the word of God, it makes us complete. When you get into the word of God, you can take comfort that the word of God is eternal in nature. In other words, Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight says the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of God endures forever. Many believers say they love the Bible, but do not allow it to govern their lives. Many believers say, oh, I love the word, but they don't allow it to be the rule of of living in their lives. They don't allow the word to guide their lives. They say they love the word, but they don't allow the word to superintend their lives, which results in conflicting views and how we think on critical issues affecting our personal lives, our families and the Lord's church. 
It even affects how we conduct ourselves in a fallen world. This Bible will shape your behavior. It will teach you how to behave, teach you when to speak, teach you when to be quiet, teach you when to listen, help you to speak in wisdom, teach you how to navigate the times. There's nothing like the word of the living God. The word of God is so spiritually medicinal and therapeutic to the mind. I say it again. The word of God is so spiritually medicinal and therapeutic to the mind. You do yourself a disservice when you do not allow the word of God to continually minister to your mind. Absolutely nothing should take precedent over the word of God so that we can remain kingdom minded in a fallen, depraved, wicked world. When the word of God is diminished in our lives, guess what happens? When you get away from the word of God, you barely read the word of God. You look at television and shows up into the wee hours of the morning. You live on social media. You're texting all day long. You're running here, jumping here, skipping there. You're so busy until God is not even in your schedule. You know what? Your life begins to wane and diminish spiritually and your spiritual power begins to diminish as well. When you get away from the word, we lower the spiritual level of our thinking. We lower the spiritual level of our living. We settle for a lot less than what God has for us. And we do not reach our potential in Christ. Beloved, if we maintain our convictions and refuse to compromise the scripture, the Lord's church will experience spiritual power. When we all become word-based Christians, then this church will be a mighty force to be reckoned with. We won't find ourselves confused. We'll see things through the lens of scripture. We're not so easily shaken and our worries began to dissipate. Fear begins to dissipate because we are filled with the word of God. There's spiritual power in the word. When you stay in the word, it works miracles in your life. When you, when you stay in the word, it brings revival. You begin to live again spiritually. When you get in the word, it preserves the unity of the spirit. A church that's in the word will have fewer fights and fewer fusses. They won't sweat the small stuff. They know how to stick it out and stand and occupy until Jesus comes because of the living, authoritative word of the living God. The word of God preserves the unity of the spirit. The word of God will give you success. You want success? You want real success? Success comes from this book. You live by this book and stay with this book. Believe this book. Don't doubt this book. Then watch God grant success like no one else can. You don't want man to give you success. You want God to give you success. Man can give stuff and take it back. Let me give you a great, great Bible verse. It's one of my favorite uh, on success. It's found in Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Say prosperous. 
and then you will have good success. Good success. The word brings good success. Success in whatever you do, God will bless it because you're allowing the word to govern your thinking and your direction and your life. Not only must we believe in the supremacy of the word, but we must also exalt the person of the word. We must believe in the supremacy of Christ. We must also believe in the supremacy of the person of Christ. That is so essential. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, and he, referencing Christ, and he is the the head of the body, the church, with the ecclesia, Greek word, the called out assembly, out of the world. We belong to God, and Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride, and he is the great head of the church. I am not the head of the church. I'm an under-shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. This is not my church. I never go around saying Maranatha is my church. It is not my church. I'm just here by stewardship. Jesus Christ alone is the great head of the church, and I answer to him. My directions come through him, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do, and that makes for a great church. (laughs) Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, and he is the head of the body. The church, he is the beginning and the firstborn. Jesus Christ was the first to get up and stay up. Everybody else lived even when they were resurrected. They died again. Lazarus died again. The widow of all those folks, they died again. But when Jesus got up, he didn't die. He stayed up. Yeah, and he is the first fruit. He's the firstborn. And uh, he paved the way from the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy, the supremacy of the person of Christ. Christ must reign supreme in our life. Beloved, when we allow Christ to be first and Lord of our lives, he gives us wisdom. When we allow Christ to be supreme and transcendent in our lives, he grants us spiritual understanding. When we allow Christ to be supreme in our lives, he gives us spiritual discernment and the ability to think with clarity in a confused, no-thinking world. No-thinking world. We must also not allow influential believers. We must not allow tradition to take preference over the word. We must not put culture over the word. We must not put entertainment over the word. I'm not here to entertain you. If you think I'm going to be swinging from those lights, you're going to be waiting a while. If you want entertainment and you want craziness and silliness and folk just doing all kind of stuff, weirdo stuff in the church, go on down the street somewhere because I'm going to stand tall, flat-footed, and I'm going to preach what Jesus tells me to say. Matter of fact, I'm glad I'm not entertaining because every time I try to entertain you, then next week you're going to want more than what you got the last week. And I'm too old to be giving you more entertainment. I'm not going to let you kill me. I'm going to stay on safe ground. When you're you're with the word, you're on safe grounds. You must not put entertainment above the word. You must not allow politics to have preference over the word. I don't preach politics. I preach Jesus. Politics divide. Now, you go vote now. I know what the issues are. 
But but I, I don't have to tell you to vote when the word is governing your life. And you know when you're voting right and when you're voting wrong. And you realize when you get in God's way. And you know you when you're doing things according to the scripture. You're not confused. You know right from wrong if you've been, been here at any length of time. The word ought to govern your voting. Hey, won't y'all say amen? It governs everything. You don't compartmentalize the word of God say, well, I believe in this, but I'm going to go in and vote this way. But nothing. The word is transcends politics. It transcends legalism. It transcends false doctrine. The word of God transcends prosperity gospel. It transcends a social gospel. It transcends a progressive gospel. The word of God transcends a self-help gospel. The word of God transcends an emotional gospel. The word of God transcends a political gospel, all of which will undermine the supremacy of Christ in his church, which leads to her being weak, the church will become anemic, secular, compromised, and powerless should we put those things over the word of God. We must allow Christ to have his proper place in his church because he is the great head of the church and he is the owner because he purchased the church with his own blood. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says, but he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. I love this. Oh, I love this scripture. You got to write it down, highlight it, uh, put an asterisk by it. Please write this scripture down. It's just a great scripture. Uh, Psalms 138 verse 2. Psalm 138 verse 2 also says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving devotion and your faithfulness. Underline this, you have exalted your name and your word above all else. That's the supremacy. You have exalted your name. His name is above every name. We talk about all these little mundane names. They're passing away. You've soon forgotten. But I know a God who will remember your name. You have exalted your name and your word above all else. The name of Jesus and the word of God should be exalted above all else. It's not about what I think. It's not about our opinions. It's not about our philosophy. It's not about our ideology. It is about exalting the the risen Savior and exalting the word of God, saying, what does the word say in regards to these matters? And am I willing to align my life on the word as I understand it from the scripture? And I don't allow the world, the culture to redefine me or what God has told me to do. And when you begin to have that kind of persistency, then your mind will become uh, cultivated and mature and you'll begin to grow into his likeness. Number two, you minister to your mind when you ask the Lord to reveal to you the good qualities in others. This is how you minister to your mind. You minister to your mind when you ask the Lord to reveal to you the good qualities in others. You know, we have a tendency of looking, if people come to mind, we think all the bad stuff. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Some of you spend too much time focusing on the shortcomings and deficiencies of your family. All of us have shortcomings. All of us have deficiencies. 
And all of us, there's room for us to grow. None of us in this room have arrived. And we need to spend more time building each other up, edifying each other, and not being professional fault-finding. That's, no, that's not a gift. That's not a spiritual gift. Stop looking for the wrong stuff. You know, when you look for the wrong stuff all the time, it, it affects your mind. It, it affects your being. It, it affects your whole soul. So, so stop looking for the deficiencies of others. We all have deficiencies. We're all a work in progress. <laughs> uh, stop looking for deficiencies in your supervisor, in your family, in your husband. You think about something he did a long time ago. You think, well, you still can't boil water and all that kind of stuff. You know, you just, you just, oh, you can't get the car going, you know. You, you, can, you can't make your, if he's not a mechanic, you better leave him alone. Send him to the shop, you know. But you, you know, he ought not be sizing you up to You still can't cook. You can't, well, what? You're supposed to be complimenting each other. What you can't do, she can do. What she can't do, you ought to be able to do. And that makes for a good marriage. Stop saying you haven't got this yet. Thank God that somebody have it. Tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, we must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas.